Well, I think what we consider to be taboo are actually some of like the most pressing social issues um, that we're currently facing. Um, conversations around race and gender and religion, these parts that make up huge aspects of our personalities and our identities and how we walk through the world and interact with others. Um, kids need to be able to have the language to adequately describe themselves and to connect with people across both similarities and differences. Um, and when we send messages to kids that these conversations are inappropriate or not okay in some way, it can cause shame within themselves and also can prevent them from engaging with other people. Yeah, I think just allowing them to first ask questions and state what they observe. Um, you know, it's really difficult to unlearn a bias if you can't even identify what it is or if you can't talk about it. Um, I'll often ask like the teachers and parents and caregivers I work with, like if your child or your student is harboring xenophobic, racist, sexist beliefs, like wouldn't you want to know about it? Um, you know, I thought a lot after like the Brock Turner rape case at Stanford, um, you know, and when you hear these testimonies from parents and teachers like, oh, we never knew that, you know, this child, this teenager had these beliefs or would have ever done something like this. Like, how did you not know that? Did you never have a conversation about, you know, consent or about relationships or about race, any of those things that, you know, spring up in the media and people act like they're completely blindsided when kids or teenagers or just young people say things that are just, people claim to be so shocking. But really, if you peel back some of the layers, you have to think about what messages have they received their entire lives? Where have they been invited to engage in dialogue and have a conversation about topics? And where are we just you know, groping in the dark because we have no idea what they think or why they think that way. And often taking that first step to have a conversation that might be uncomfortable for the adult actually isn't going to be as uncomfortable for the kid. There's a lot less that kids have had to unlearn compared to adults. <laughs> I think if you can try to search out joint opportunities for learning um, where the parent or caregiver is learning right alongside their kid um, and sometimes having you know a focus point to return to if it's reading a book together if it's watching a tv show or a movie or um, you know listening to a podcast or reading a news article um, and asking your kid 
you know, did you know any of that or what questions came up? How did learning about that make you feel? And also sharing some of the more vulnerable pieces of ourselves that we might not be as comfortable with adults, but I think are so important for kids to recognize that adults don't have all of the answers, that adults grapple with the same types of questions and biases that kids do as well. Um, I think often um, in any learning situation when there's somebody who is perceived as the expert, you know, the all-knowing person, it can often make us shrink back a little bit and not feel as comfortable asking those difficult questions because we just assume we're supposed to know certain things. Um, like I remember teaching about gender and sexuality in one of my classes and one of my kids, I was so happy that she came up and said, you know, what does LGBTQ mean? Like I've heard it so many times and it seems like everybody else understands what all these letters represent, but I, I just don't know. Um, and that was such a good reminder of me to be able to go back and check for understanding before moving on. So making sure that you're having these opportunities for kids to ask questions and also modeling that when you do make mistakes or you say things that might be problematic, how do you respond when you know, shame might be the first emotion that comes up, um, but how can you model taking something that you might have said or done or believed that it was problematic and biased and shown that when you learn something new, you're still capable of adjusting your beliefs and how you act and what you say. Oh my goodness. Um, one particularly around kids is that kids don't see race. Kids don't notice race, which is so untrue. And there is so much evidence and research to prove otherwise when kids like as young as just a couple of months old start to make decisions based on the color of somebody's skin. And you really start to see that in toddler ages and early elementary and early childhood when kids are making decisions about what they want to play, who they want to play with, and the language they use to describe themselves and kids who look different from them in school. So I think that there is this presumption of innocence with kids. Um, we want to believe that they see everybody exactly the same, um, but the choices that they make in the language they use um, in more unstructured times really show that they do absorb every single thing that adults are also absorbing and are exposed to. I think that there, and it's a very nice intention, but this idea that kindness is going to fix everything, like just be kind and everything will be all good. Kindness is incredibly important. Empathy is incredibly important, but there, in order, like in the work that I do around racial justice and working with caregivers and educators, that there is some direct confrontation that needs to be had um, around the injustices that exist in our world and why those things exist. Um, you know, light and love are, are wonderful, but they are certainly not going to fix centuries of systemic oppression for any marginalized group of people. And being able to name it, confront it, I think is the first step towards progress and solution.
Yeah, I mean, I think that being able to monitor shame is us is really really important and the way that we respond to comments that kids make can make such a huge emotional imprint on them um one of the stories that i often tell is um, a girl in my class made a comment that was certainly very biased um, around people of color particularly black people um and recognizing in that moment the way that I would choose to respond to her would certainly leave an imprint about how she felt around this topic, perhaps like for the rest of her life. If you come at kids from a place of yelling at them and shaming them and telling them to be quiet and don't make observations like that, they're going to receive that as, oh, I just should not talk about race. Like it's a bad thing. It's a negative thing. Like when you talk about it, people yell at each other and you see that plenty. Like if you turn on the news and see a bunch of talking heads talking about anything involving race, they're screaming at each other, you know, and all of those messages are things that I think kids and young people pick up that conversations around racial differences have to be divisive, have to be polarized and have to have people screaming at each other. Um, just one of the more, useful questions that I use with kids when they do say things, even if they're, if they are alarming and problematic and I don't agree with them, it's just, that's really interesting. I haven't heard that perspective before. Can you tell me more about that? Or I'm wondering where you heard that from. Like, have you heard other kids or other adults say things like that to you? What do you think? It sounds like you're repeating what other people's opinions are, but I'm curious what you think about this um, and giving them the opportunity to explore. Because sometimes just when kids repeat things doesn't mean they necessarily believe it, but it's a really great entry point to have a conversation. Yeah, or go off of what they're saying. I know that like a very classic parent fear is like being in the grocery store and having your kid look at somebody who has black or brown skin and saying like, mom, dad, or like grandma, like that person has black skin. Why do they have black skin? And oh my gosh, that moment. Of, oh my gosh, right. And I think it's so relatable. Oh my goodness. And, but that's such an important teachable moment instead of saying like that's that's awful that's rude like you can certainly bring that into the conversation especially if they're using like very racist language or terminology um but if your kid is making that type of observation in public instead of shushing them and shaming them like yeah he has a different color skin isn't that beautiful did you know that people have different color skin because of something called melanin or how much sun exposure you have can change the color of your skin or how close your ancestors live to the equator. Like there are all these reasons that there's so, there's so much diversity um, in skin color in our world. Like, isn't that something that's so cool? Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so many things. <laughs> I'm trying to think of particular examples. Um, having spent so much time as a classroom teacher, I think that it's often really easy for parents and family members and caregivers to put a lot of emphasis on the parts of other kids and families that they don't see and they don't know. Like if a kid comes home and says, 
mom, dad, like, um, you know, this classmate of mine was acting up in this way in, in school and they did this and they said this, instead of making that judgment about that kid or about their family, emphasize to your kid that there's so much of people that we don't see behind closed doors when people leave and go home at the end of the day that you have no idea what somebody else is experienced or is, is currently experiencing or has experienced um, and that how they're showing up in school or in public might also just be a reflection of something that's going on with them that we don't know about. And it's also not our business to know about either, but just usually that there's more going on to people than what meets the eye, I think can be really powerful. Thank you so much.